Hey everyone, it's Marika here. Today, Anthony and I had a quick chat. We caught up on what's been going on around the world with COVID-19. We talked a bit about self-isolation and getting the community involved. And then we had a really good chat about pelvic organ prolapse and in particular, some ideas that we can um, use as physios working in telehealth and how we can still help our community without using our hands. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. And I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective. Together we interview leading authorities, answer questions, and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember the materials and content on this podcast are intended as general information and for entertainment purposes only. They are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now it's time to get cracking with the episode, so whether you're out walking your dog, driving the kids to school, or just sitting back enjoying a glass of wine, we hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back, welcome back. Marika, uh, nice to have you back, nice to be back with you. It's been a long time since we've spoken. It's actually Thursday night, the 19th of March. (laughs) Um, feels like we chatted just yesterday, Anthony. It's almost like we just chatted yesterday. Um, mm. Some some good stuff too, you know, we've got some good guests lined up. Um, so, you know, it's going to be good. Uh, just everything, just trying to get stuff ready for people. And um, yet another day of mathematics and, you know, geometric progressions. I love how they mess my head and that was fun. A few Facebook photos. I love posts. your. Um, I don't know if anyone saw Anthony's post or whether it was was it on your page or on a group page where you did the um, the lily pad. Oh, on my personal lily Facebook. pad analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lily pad thing maybe has we'll, been used we'll for it, years. Oh, yeah. we'll put it in the show notes. It's just, it's kind of, it kind of, yeah. We'll chuck it in the show notes because it kind of messes with your brain a bit just thinking about the exponential growth of this and. Um, yeah, it's interesting. When in Perth, we've kind of gone from having a couple of cases a day to seventeen overnight. I don't know if that's because the testing has finally um, is finally happening, or whether it is just that the community transmission is increasing rapidly. But um, you know, it's very much we're very much on the cusp, and I feel like New South Wales the horse has already bolted to some degree. Yeah, everything seems to be going as predicted. Um, you know, when you track the growth rates of other countries. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of on that geometric progression, um, which is, which is okay. It's going to happen. Everybody's going to be exposed to it in some way. Eventually it's just, Mm -hmm. um, it's just the overwhelm and it really feels like, um, somebody was talking to me. If we say the population of Australia is 25 million, for example, then roughly, uh, if, if one case doubles every day, it takes about 25 days to get to 25 million. Um, and um, it feels like, if that's the case, it feels like we're on day nine of 25. Um, <clears throat> so if you wow. if you just take it out a little bit and say that it takes 10 days to double, and it's been 70-odd days, um, so it's about right, um, since the first case was discovered, um, the mathematics is about right, which, which sucks. We're on day nine of 25 and the way that geometric progressions work, um, it's the back end 
that has the most number of cases. We're, we're at the very bottom of the slippery dip before it goes up and the logistic curve will flatten out later on. But um, yeah, anyway, I spend it's, too much time thinking yeah. about maths at the moment. <laughs> yeah, step away from the maths. Um, if we think about just sort of the, uh, the impact that it's already had on so many people and not just from a health sense, but you know, I'm hearing from friends and family about uh, lost jobs. Um, I know for many of us in the physio community, our patient lists are basically disappearing. Um, most of my patients have cancelled and I'm actually cancelling all my pregnancy classes in person now. I, I was doing a lot of research over the last day on what's happening with our awareness on, on pregnancy and, and um, the coronavirus. And, you know, there's actually not a lot that we know about it, but because the studies are tiny, like nine, nine pregnant women, mm. um, and they're saying it seems to be pretty similar if you're pregnant versus not but but we just don't know mm. and i think as things are progressing i would probably be encouraging my pregnant ladies to um move towards more online stuff as much as possible but yeah it, uh i i can sense for myself you know my income is pretty much going to deplete rapidly i know for you you've cancelled all of your travel over the next few months which is where you earn a large portion of your income as well and supporting your family. So uh, I think it's safe to say for, for, for all of us, you know, there's, there's already some impacts happening now and um, it's, yeah, it's troubling for a lot of people. So I think I just want to say that for everyone listening, um, yeah, we feel, we feel for all of you and we'll be with you over the next few months, hopefully just to kind of, yeah, support the community as much as we can. Absolutely. It's um, it's difficult, you know. Um, we we've we're in a very privileged position of, you know, growing up with some financial education and developing a buffer. This whole idea of you know buffering against unseen events, and now it's actually, <laughs> it's actually taking place. Um, it's a little bit shocking. Um, so yeah, you know, the next few months, it looks like my travels cancelled. Uh, the government, the Australian government, is talking about six months um, for 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 the measures, the non pharmacological non pharmacological um, measures. You know, so mm -hmm. that's social distancing, self isolation. Um, you know, and then what does self isolation look like for people? Because uh, you can get on the phone, you can get on a Zoom call with somebody, a FaceTime, a Facebook message, a, you know, a Skype. Uh, yeah, we we really do need to keep that going. Um, so it'll be fun to um, it'll be fun to organise a few more more rapid uh, get-togethers. You know, we we have a monthly female athlete get-together. Um, we might have to do that a little bit more frequently. Just just so Maybe that we can, can alternate space with time people. zones, Anthony. Yeah, it's yeah, like I know. It's like three o'clock morning or something for me. I know. <laughs> I've sorry. never made one yet. Oh well. No, selfish. Yes. selfish. <laughs> That's because you prioritise that, sleep. It's almost like you prioritise sleep right. over joining in. Hey, you mentioned self self isolation, and it's interesting talking about people coming back from travel. And I think there's certainly I don't know whether it's confusion or perhaps some 
people not taking it quite so seriously, but it certainly seems that some people think self-isolation means you can still pop down the shops and, and grab some items and you can still, you know, go to your workout class or, or whatever, as long as you stay away from people. And, you know, I think it's really important that when people are in self-isolation, that means you're in your bloody house. You're not going out. Um, yeah. And I think that we all have to just, you know, really play a role in stopping the spread of this. And if this means that, you know what, for two weeks I have to stay at home, then I have to call up my family and say, hey, can you just drop some food off at the front door and leave? Or I'm out of toilet paper. Mm. And oh, do you know what I think has been amazing, Anthony, is the community groups that have formed on Facebook. I don't know what it's like in Sydney. It's gone crazy in Perth. Mm. I've got notes from my neighbours saying, let us know if you need anything. Mm. There's a, a Facebook page, I don't know if we talked about this yesterday, called Adopt... Uh, adopt a health worker and a guy from Perth started a few days ago and it was like 500 people. Now it's 10,000. And I see these beautiful posts where people are literally sending like five pizzas to the local um, uh, ED or the local COVID clinic. They're dropping off boxes of food for the staff to say, Hey, look, we're all in this together. Like we will support you. So I think, and there's other community groups too, where it's people that if they're in isolation will say, hey, can someone go to the supermarket mm. and get me the stuff? So there's not, I don't think many of us are so isolated that we can't get the stuff that we need. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, when we're self-isolating, um, you know, call up your friends, call up your family. Um, while there's still deliveries going on, you know, the user delivery service to get your groceries delivered to you. Um, yeah, I think. Coles and Woolies have shut that down now, haven't they? Oh, have they? Yeah, I don't know. It's a very fluid situation. It feels like it changes <laughs> um, hour by hour. But um, yeah. but yeah, you know, like getting getting people to help out. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's a scary time. But you know, tell us. Um, you know, those of you who are listening, tell us about your experiences and tell us about um, what's going on because we do want to hear about it and tell us the bright spots, you know, because the news is always full of uh, all the ne- all the negative stuff. It's very easy to find the negative stuff. So um, share with us those stories and, um, and, you know, get to chatting and meeting people online because it's actually the way it's going it, to, it's the way it feels like it's going to be for a while. I know that there are so many people I want to meet in real life, you know, catching up with old friends um on courses and things like that that yeah we're just gonna have to skype more often and and uh put it off till next year like i'm yeah i've already had to start planning for next year with the proviso that it's like if i'm allowed to go this is you know and it's crazy that i'm doing this for march 2021 that that we're we're setting out dates Maybe plan so far ahead. What, and, and we'd also like to hear um how how our community are are helping others and also what things you're offering. Um, So, you know, one thing that I have is a pregnancy program, which I developed about four years ago, which has exercise and education for people Mm. throughout their pregnancy. And I've basically just offered 40% off for the, for the foreseeable future. Um, Because the thing is too, I mean, it's not, yes, it's a nice bit of extra cash for me, but that's not so much what it's about. It's um, because it's, it's not my, my, main my main income it's just like a a little thing on the side but um we all i guess as people are struggling to with their own incomes if we can find ways of making things more affordable for our community uh, as well i think that's going to be helpful 
Yeah, yeah. Um, certainly, uh, you know, the online stuff that I've got um, at Embodia, for example, use the code AntonyLow30 to, uh, to get 30% off uh, at Embodia.com. Oh, that's I think good it is. Yeah, yeah. So um, I haven't I haven't put that all the way out there yet. It just it just happened now. So you heard it first. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it first here. Um, so use the code and and get a discount and make the most of that opportunity. You know I I'm um, I'm preparing gearing up for the mentoring program. So that's still going to to go ahead because that's all online and um, it's a great time to develop the resources. You know that. The great thing about the mentoring program, you did some brilliant videos, Marika. Um, it, it's that ability to 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 have this assignment to generate the things that you actually wanted to generate anyway, um, and have the it's group contribute. Yeah. It's the accountability. It's it's the safe place. It's the chance to do that. So you know that's coming up. Um, as well as I'm going to try run the female athlete online and see how that goes uh, as a live, as a live thing. And, um, you know, just at a discounted rate, um, where people can see each other. Yeah. So people can see each other, people can see me. Um, and then we give feedback as much as we can. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, so, you know, I'm willing to try it because yeah, I'm a go big for believer. It. Yeah, I'm a big believer in the uh, the whole interaction thing, and and this is just pushing me mm -hmm. to give it a crack and challenge my beliefs. I, think, I, I really do th I think... value the in person contact and face to face and the ability to touch and guide. You know, I am a manual therapist after all. I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that I don't have trained hands. Um, so it is my preference. And so, yeah, I'm going to have to get good at doing something different. It's almost like that's what I teach people to do, to adapt <laughs> and be resilient. Different, Anthony. Do, do it a different dif way. Do it a different way. Do that's it a different it. way. That's it. Uh, that's yeah, it. I think, I think we're all going to have to, we're all going to have to basically stop, reflect, spin go in a different direction and it's not it's not easy um i know that I, I i don't know how you feel about some conversations that you've had recently but i've been talking to a few other physios and really trying to push them out of their comfort zones oh, yeah. and they're like oh i can't do that well, you, you're gonna have to and yeah. i think we're all going to be in that stage where we're going to have to take a deep breath and take the leap of faith and and think what's the worst that can happen you know what if you try it it doesn't work who cares yeah. You know, unlikely it's, to it's hurt not going to ruin and exactly, but take a leap of faith. And, um, oh, you just reminded me that Anthony, you talk about your mentoring program. I, I, I ran a mentoring program last year, mm. um, good for feedback. pre exercise. And I, huh? Yeah. I heard good feedback from people. They were coming up to me going, guess, guess what I'm doing right now. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what you're doing right now. I'm on Marika's mentoring program. <laughs> Do you know what? It was so much fun. I had 30, just 30, I kept it there mm. and uh, had our little Facebook group and we did a, a, a live th a webinar kind of thing every week, but I basically put a bomb under their butts and made them do homework every week and really nice. reflect on how they run their business and what their priorities are. And 
what their strengths were too and their weaknesses and how they can um, really optimize optimize their strengths and the stuff they're not good at either get good at or bump it off to someone else and mm. um, what was really nice is that the culture within that group and I see it in your group too Anthony is that there's just that lovely support I don't know whether we just happen to get really nice people in <laughs> um, but everyone was so lovely and really you know asking each other for feedback and sharing each other's websites and giving um, advice on things and but in such a positive supportive lovely way and mm. I, I loved running that and I might do it again um, I might do it again in the next couple of months. If anyone's interested in that, just send me an email um, or PM me. And if I get enough people, I'll probably do that as well because that was really fun. Yeah, yeah. We got lots of things in the works, you know, Um, Mm. and getting that DR project up. I'm going to release a couple of free videos just so that people can see some of the stuff that that we're doing on that. But um, that'll be cool too. It's all it's all fun and games, but I thought something that we could talk about um, today is actually. Oh my god! Yes, let's get on with it. <laughs> is actually, um, you know, how can we help people with like stress urinary incontinence, or pelvic organ prolapse, or both? Today, it's up to you. Let Let's just do one, hey, because um, I think that's yeah. what we said, right? <laughs> um, Let's do POP. Let's do pelvic organ prolapse. We're we're doing a telehealth conversation, uh, consultation, or we're trying to help somebody. We can't, um, well, you know, pelvic health therapists can't do an internal. I do not, you know, I I am super cautious, so I wouldn't want people to do a self-internal on camera. I don't need to see that, and I don't need to be a part of that. Um... So it's really hard to get information, and yet, yeah. you know, both you and I have helped people without having to touch, just through observation. So I thought, you know, it'd be good. I might interview you to start off with. What are some of the things that you're looking at? Um, like, do you start with a subjective? Uh, do you get them to fill out oh, forms? Yeah. What what are you, what are you doing on your pop consultations? So. I've not had many pop consults. Well, I'm trying to think if I've had many in telehealth situation, but I'm sort of thinking about what I do clinically and then reflecting on how that can be transferred to an online system. So all of my patients get obviously an intake questionnaire in clinic. And they also, I do um, the PFDI 20, which is just a really nice pelvic floor distress um, inventory. Quick quick screen, two-page questionnaire, and I also do a DAS questionnaire on them. So my pain patients have a much more comprehensive intake form, but if we're just talking about POP, I usually just have, I just have those, those two plus an intake form. Um, then I would go through my full subjective examination, which, you know, includes all the goals as well. So the, I, I actually do use the Curtin um, pelvic floor assessment form because it's so comprehensive and it covers everything to do with bladder and bowel symptoms and and sexual symptoms as well i think sometimes it's easy when we kind of go down the pop route where we kind of don't even ask about that other stuff but it's not things that people will bring up unless you ask them and then you do ask them they go oh i hadn't really thought about that um and so that also includes things like fluid intake um so and voiding dysfunction bowel dysfunction, a little bit about diet as well. 
looking at if they're postnatal, uh, you know, obviously how recently they are postnatal, but what were their birth was like? Was there any trauma? How big their baby was? So that whole, you know, subjective examination is quite comprehensive. And some for some people that takes bloody 45 minutes, you know. So in a, in a uh, telehealth one-hour consultation, I mean, that could take a substantial part of that. And then depending on what I got from that, I may end up sending them more questionnaires. Like if they're having more bladder symptoms, there might be a bladder diary, for example. But with most POP patients, I don't tend to go down that route. But I guess, you know, subjectively, the symptoms we're looking at are, you know, the heaviness, the dragging, the sensation of a lump or a bulge. Do they have any difficulties retaining a tampon? Um, they might have some difficulties or discomfort with intercourse. But a lot of women find, depending on the position, that they can uh, have intercourse, no problem. Um, so that you're sort of in your head trying to think about whether or not those symptoms are related to POP. But I think I'm trying to remember, you know, some studies that I've read before where if people say they have a lump or a bulge in the vagina, it's like 80% correlation with, um, yeah, with, with a positive, uh, Pop Q. I don't know. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Sorry, Anthony. My brain's a bit fuzzy, but yeah, it's something like that. So if if people are saying those sorts of things, then I'm I'm starting in my head to think that that's probably pop. Um, and then with regards to that, I'm wanting to know when she has those symptoms. So with particular activities, and is it worse at the end of the day? And we can take all of that information. And I think in terms of sorry, do you have any more questions about subjective examination because i the probably the big part of that too would be you know what are her goals and what are her fears and what are her also i like to ask what people's thoughts are or um thoughts are around pop and what their expectations are so if they've gone ahead and done lots of internet research uh and scared the shit out of themselves and think this is a total disaster and it's only going to get worse you know, I want to know where they are at in their head in terms of their pop and and if they've already had a diagnosis because they may have just uh, had some symptoms and Googled it, or they may have in fact already seen a doctor or a gynae or a physio and, and had an actual physical diagnosis too. So I'd kind of put all of that together in terms of my clinical reasoning. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's pretty good. I think it's a lot more thorough than I do because, you know, I just go, do you have any bladder or bowel issues? No. Okay. If you do, a good person to talk to <laughs> is a women's health physio, a pelvic physio, because because even if they do, I'm going to say the same thing anyway. It's like, well, okay, I can give you advice, but to be honest, the real experts are, you know, and I just handball that stuff. Um, all right, I just yeah, open I the door probably... or sow the seeds, you know. Yeah, I think you could probably tweak those questions a little bit more to make them less vague, you know, like specify what they might look like. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't say what I do is perfect. Not at all. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, most people would say, ah, <coughs> really? <laughs> not really, which not really. tends to be. Yeah, I do have some of those problems. I just don't really want to talk to you about them. <laughs> exactly, which is why I do the seed sowing, you know. It's, 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 a, um, it's one of those things. And, you know, you come back around and... And, and often people go, oh, you know, that thing that you said the other day, last time I was here, actually, yeah, I do find that um, it's when I'm 
when I'm constipated and it tends to be when I eat this food and then I have to strain a bit, that can give me, I don't know what it is down there, but like it doesn't feel right. And I felt embarrassed about telling you because I just met you. And so, cool. Yeah. You know. Um, At least so. you're letting them know that you're you're open to having that conversation and you're comfortable with that conversation if and yeah. when they are ready. Yeah. And, and yes, I am comfortable to have the conversation. Uh, I don't feel like I've had enough training to go into an in-depth advice giving session. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, that... And that's why I do prefer to refer on if people won't, because just lots of people, like they can't financially or, um, you know, they've just had bad experiences and they just outright say, no, I'm not going to go see a pelvic health physio. Well, then I have to do the best I can. Um, but yeah, the idea is to refer on for things that I'm not good at and to say, hey, these are the things that I am good at. So I suppose um, I, I add in terms of um, my intake form, I've got a patient specific functional scale, um, mm -hmm. tends to be functional. So what is it that you want to be able to do that you can't do now? And where are you on being able to do it or not be able to do it at all? Um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, but then like yourself, um, I, I am trying to get better at my notes. My, my, my consults yeah. tend to be free flowing in terms of the discussion. And I tend to just write everything that people are saying. Um, mm -hmm. And for those who can't see the video, I had my microphone mm -hmm. on mute and I was typing everything Marika was saying so that she had some information for the show notes later on. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I do. Yeah, I, I totally understand what you mean because it is, I, I always start off with that open-ended question, um, you know, what, what brings you here and how can I help you and let them talk for as long as they need and mm. then I come back and then I would go through all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think you're much better at the long pauses than I am. I have, I find silences awkward. I'm trying to get better at just shutting the hell up. Uh, and letting people fill that space, but it's not a strength of mine. <laughs> I, I was watching some of my older consults, um, that I videoed and it's like, oh my goodness, shut up Anthony, uh, because <laughs> I was still practicing then. Um, and always like there are some people I will sit there for 20 seconds and just look at them and they will look back and it just becomes funny and then we have a laugh about it um and then there are other people it's just like yeah no this is i'm losing them you know whereas sometimes with the longer ones it's almost like a joke hey i know what you're doing here so i'm not going to say anything how long can you take it i'm not, I'm not going to blink first you know <laughs> and and you know what that, well i was going to say that in itself can be rapport building you know because you can see it in their eyes that they're not upset that this is happening. They're not annoyed by it. In fact, they're finding it humorous. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we um, if we move on to objective examination, then oh. now obviously you, as you mentioned, well, oh, sorry, I was just going to say one one more quick thing. Uh, one common question that I have about the subjective is 
You know, it's really good to listen and I really appreciate that listening is helpful for people, but then I don't know uh, what questions I need to ask next because I'm listening so actively and intentively mm. that um, it, it, like I, I find either I'm getting distracted and not paying attention because I'm trying to think of the next question or trying to remember what to ask or, um, you know, I, I just think, okay, now I have to speak and now I, I don't know what to ask because they might have already said it. So that's a really common thing mm -hmm. that I hear from people. And um, so I, it, it took me a while because you know how you don't actually know what you do, you just do what you do. So it took mm -hmm. a while for me to figure out what I was doing. And I figured out I know how to ask the next question because I start recapping what they told me. Um, and so, you know, one of our little in-jokes is, so just to make sure that I, uh, <laughs> I've heard you correctly, <laughs> it's one of my favorite phrases to trigger myself to, to, to recap. Laugh. Don't laugh to your patient though. I'm not. Sometimes oh. when I say it, I've got this, oh, Marika's laughing at me right now. Uh, I'm but, so uh, sorry. I've now, I've now implanted that, haven't I? Yeah. Every time. <laughs> Um, Sorry. It's all good. I, I like it. It's a fond memory for me. Um, but I find that <laughs> when I am recapping, I'll go through and say, okay, so this has been happening for, you know, you've had this since you've given birth and this is your third baby now. And your first baby is this old and you delivered this way. And, you know, I'm going through the history that they've given me, piecing it all together. And then I'll stop and I'll go, oh, I need to know about this. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? Um, yeah. And that's how I work out the next question. Um, yeah. Do you use then... any kind of um, guidance sheets, like question, like um, assessment sheets or anything to help you, or you just kind of got your system? Yeah, no, I don't. Um, I do get them to fill out a standard, you know, the standard, okay, current history, previous history, aggravating, easing. Okay. Like I've got that kind of format in the form oh. that I give them. Um, so I've got a lot oh, of that handy. already. Yeah. Uh, so that, that tends yep. to catch me for all the problems that I have in capturing all of it at the time live. And what I say to them is, yep. hey, I have read it, but I find it helpful if you just tell me your story and I listen now. And then I'll ask some I think of the one of the things that I always freak out, you know, because I, I do, as I said, for my public health patients, I do use, you know, big assessment sheets. For my regular patients, I just type straight into, you know, mm. our um, software. And th there's always, you know, I kind of have to stop and go, okay, have I, have I done my, have I done my aggravating, my easing? Have I done my red flags? Have I done my medical history? Have I done their medication? I have to kind of stop myself and just go, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, and almost like picture it in my head, but I've forgotten yep. anything. Um, <laughs> and so some, that's where sometimes having those, you know, things laid out somewhere that you can kind of have a quick check and go, have I forgotten anything of this? Um, I used to have a red laminated flags are really sheet. I used to have a laminated mm. sheet that I had on the wall in front of my um, computer screen, which had it because, um, you know, when you've got staff and they're not doing they're not doing the right things. 
uh, it's nice to have reminders. And, you know, part of the problem was their boss wasn't doing the right thing as well. So you got to lead from example. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I used to have a sheet laminated just with the headings. And um, I still have that now uh, in that online form. But yes, That's I thought... not a bad for telehealth. I'm just trying to think, you know, um, how can people easily take notes and keep their flow in a telehealth situation? Because it's obviously, uh, I mean, some people use two devices, so you can type on here with and still be able to see your client in front of you. Um, otherwise, what I do, I tend to, when I see people online, is actually handwrite it or write it on my iPad and then transfer it. Because I don't, I like to use my laptop for the Zoom. Do you know what I mean? So, Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Which means I can't type it on my laptop. Right. Yeah, I have a second So what screen. I could do is actually set Zoom up on my iPad and then just type on my computer. But for some reason, typing just feels like, tick, 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 you know, a bit irritating. It is. That's why I keep muting my microphone when I'm typing. <laughs> yes. All right, we should probably move on because we're going to have dinner soon. Let's do that. Objective assessment. Yeah, absolutely. Go. Thoughts. Oh, look, for the objective assessment, it really, it really comes down to what, what am I hearing from them in this subjective assessment? So I'm, I want to know all about when do you get the symptoms? What do the symptoms feel like? Can you put your finger on the symptoms? Um, does, uh, Is there a time of the month that you feel the symptoms more? Is there a time of the day that you feel the symptoms more? Uh, is there an activity? Is there an amount of time that you can go before you get the symptoms or is it random? So all of these things from the subjective then drive my assessment. And so I'm definitely using as my first movements, their priority list. I wanna run again, I wanna squat, I wanna do weights. They told me that I can't do sit-ups and I love sit-ups. They told me I can't do planks and I love planks. Um, you know, I do yoga and they said no more down dog. So they're the things that I'm straight away looking at um, because they're the things that are important to them. They're the things that um, they want to get back to. And so, hey, you know, somebody might be three weeks postpartum and telling me that they want to run or they're They've been told that they're not to run ever again and, you know, that may not be three weeks postpartum, that might be three months or three years postpartum and somebody said, you know, oh no, you're not allowed to run again. Um, really what they do want to do is where I start my assessment. Um, and then, you know, you know, there are things that you agree with, with your client. They tell you things. And then they tell you why they think that and you think, you know what, that sounds spot on. And then there are times where you think, wow, that was, that sounds really dodgy as a reason. Um, be it information that they believe or that they've been given. Um, and so that forms, in my thinking, it's like, okay, I need to know, number one, am I right? Because I could be wrong. I don't have to be right. I could be wrong. Um, so where's the evidence that I might be wrong? And I'm trying to, I'm trying to design a, an experiment in my head, a movement or a, um, a belief that I need to challenge. So one, one that's 
<coughs> excuse me, really common is I have a weak core or the physio told me that um, my core is not strong enough or my pelvic floor is not strong enough. And it's like, yeah, but you're able to run this far, like further than I can run and not have symptoms. And then other times you don't. Like that does not sound like a pelvic floor that is structurally a problem. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I'm looking to see how to challenge those beliefs through a movement experiment to see if I'm right or to see if they're right. And not even to point it out to them. Just let them be confused with that. So, you know, a lot of what I do in my assessment is to generate confusion. Uh, the idea is that learning, learning best takes place when you're confused. Because if you hold strongly to a belief, it's unlikely that you're going to learn something new or something different or something that you disagree with. Because most people don't change their mind and they look poorly on people that do change their mind. That's why politicians hold to a certain line, because it just looks better for them politically if they hold to a line, even if they're wrong. Um, and, you know, this is outlined in the, in the research, um, so it's interesting stuff. So, um, you know, I, I, I'll do something, a, a, a movement or a test, and, and say something like, oh, if we did this, if you can't do that, um, or, uh, okay, if your core is weak, let's, I want you to do this thing for me and I'll get them to do something. And then I'll just ask them the question and say, oh, if your core was weak, do you think you should be able to do that? And the answer is often no. I'm so, okay. And then we just move on to the next thing. Um, and the idea is, is that they just build up all these no's and it's like, oh, okay, I don't understand what's going on. And that's what I'm looking for. Because at that point there, I can now introduce different ideas to, to join the dots in a different way and give them a different story from which they can then gently challenge their beliefs. And for pop, for pelvic organ prolapse, a lot of the times... It seems like it seems like they're really, really afraid that they don't have that fascial support. So they're using their pelvic floor to generate the support. And then it actually sounds like symptoms of overactive pelvic floor or excessive amounts of pelvic floor during a functional activity. And then just, you know, and then from there it becomes, okay, are you getting them to do too much, do too little? Tension to task, spread the load, uh, breathing in all the ways. So many people are just caught up on this idea that you have to exhale on exertion. And um, you don't. You don't. You need to be able to exhale whenever you want. You need to be able to inhale whenever you want. And one of the things that I've had a chance to do is have an intravaginal pressure sensor inside somebody and you want to see a pressure increase, get people to exhale while they're pursing their lips. The pressure is a lot more than if they're inhaling while they're doing the activity. People don't believe me. And then I pull out the pressure traces to show them, you know. Hang on, sorry, just go through that again. So people purse their lips and exhale through a the, movement. 
intra-abdominal yeah. pressure is higher. Well, if you don't purse your lips, it'd be different though, right? Mm, yeah. Then how, how do you regulate, how do you regulate how fast you breathe out? Right. You have to, you have to use some sort of muscular activity to regulate how you breathe out. So mm -hmm. as soon as you slow down, you're breathing out, you're actually generating tension, which actually shows up as a pressure increase on a trace. Um, Sorry, my brain's not quite uh, functioning at that level yet. Antony, I'm going to have to think about that. I mean, I think um, mm -hmm. I'm totally with you on the breathing and that different breathing patterns are good. Variability in breathing is good. Mm -hmm. I am um, interested just thinking about my experiences with patients with POP because changing their... Well, often I find I get a lot of patients with breath, who are breath holders and their mm -hmm. ab grippers. Um, mm -hmm. And I know I hate, I hate like the terms and I don't tell them that you're a habit Totally understand. Um, and so for that, we for those patients, different. do it. Yeah, exactly. And to say, hey, how did that feel? Oh, mm -hmm. That actually feels really different. Um, you just don't going back want to me to turn the core on? You don't want me to turn the core on? And it's like, do you think you have to think about turning the core on? Did you have to think about your core before you got pregnant? You know, mm. it's um, I think also one of the, you know, we talk about dims and sims. So for, for danger pain, in me so and... dan dangers in me and safeties in me. Mm -hmm. And I think that can actually be useful for pop as well. Cause I think Absolutely. we're moving more towards a biosocial model for pelvic organ prolapse. Thank goodness. Cause I know you and I have been talking about this for years yep. and, <laughs> and it's, it's like, hello. Oh, People are talking about this now. I'm so excited. You know, um, we're talking about kinesiophobia and, and anxiety and all these things associated with, with that diagnosis. But anyway, um, just about to lose my train of thought. But if we're thinking about the safety in me, I think one of the messages that can be given for a lot of women is that, you know, when you look at the natural progression of pelvic organ prolapse, for most mm. women, it doesn't actually get worse. And I think if we're in this temporary state of, we might be in telehealth for a while. If we're so worried about making people worse and not being able to do a vaginal examination, my, my feeling is, so if you are a, a woman who's six weeks postnatal, I can't assess you. You've got some of these symptoms that I think are probably related to pelvic organ prolapse. I can at bare minimum take you through some movements, have a look at how you're lifting your baby, give you some advice, I can also talk to you about a pelvic floor contraction that involves this and also involves, sorry, I'm doing it with my hands. It involves elevation, but also involves relaxation. Mm -hmm. So going through that process, I can talk about constipation. You know, you, I feel like from a telehealth perspective, rather than just leaving this woman alone to her own oh, fears 100%. and the internet, 100%. we can offer, give her those safety messages to say, look, you are in this beautiful healing stage. A lot is going to change over the next six months yes. just with natural healing, like, you know, looking at the levator hiatus and what changes with that. Let's give you some really sensible things to do now. Yep. That is very unlikely to make you worse. Okay. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it is different. I think for those who are four five, six years postnatal and, you know, we could probably, you know, push them a little bit 
further down the track. But I'm just thinking about the, the, the dangers in me, which are those, those messages that they get often from the internet. And obviously that sensation itself, feeling like something is coming out is bloody horrible. Yep. You know, and that in itself, in that, in that very vulnerable area where there's lots of nerve fibers sending messages yep. to the brain to say, this is not right. Um, and I think as a woman too, we can, if we feel that things are not right down there, it's very distressing. And so there's all of those danger in me signals that are going on, add some anxiety, some sleep deprivation, all of that stuff. And then we think, what are the safety in the area, you know? Yeah. And I think what I love about what you're, what I, what I heard you sort of saying, Anthony is you're, (laughs) but what you're doing is by doing these, uh, physical experiences, like taking him through those movements and, allowing them to experience movement and exercise without bringing on that symptom. That is a huge safety in me message that is saying Mm. I can do these things. Mm. And I think if we can build up their, build up their safety messages, just like we do in people with chronic pain, I think that's a, a really good, a really good place to start. And I think even though, you know, we love to get our hands in there, we want to do pop cue measures. We want to, we want to get out our little pop sticks and, if, if and it, and to be honest, it's a little bit scary to do it without being able to do a VE. But it might be the situation where we just can't, and we're going to have to rely on their their ability to read what's going on in their body, and and for us to do those behavioural experiments. Oh, and I've been relying forever on other people to give me that information, and sometimes I can't get that information because people don't want to go have an internal exam. And so my whole career of 23 years of helping people antenatally, postnatally, as well as, you know, athletic population with pop and SUI and pelvic pain, like all of that has been without putting my hands internally on them. Like, you know, it's, I know that I can help lots and lots and lots of people. And, you know, I always say it, I say it about you, Marika, you're a triple threat because you can do the internal as well as the sports and musculoskeletal and the pain side of things, um, just from your background, that's exactly the best experience to have. And I'm not against, you know, we said it on the podcast last night, I'm not against patients having a feel of their own perineum and teaching them like with a cough what a bear down feels like you know yeah. what it feels like to not bear down or squeeze a back passage and feel what that feels like just through your clothes you don't have to be uh, yeah. undressed and when we're doing a headshot through here i can't see anything of what's going on down there but you can yeah. or you can just watch the recording back and do it then um you know, because I record my consults. So, you know, they don't even have to do it then. If they don't feel comfortable with it, that's totally up to them. Um, but it's really, really helpful. And we do that anyway, right? Or I think we do that because we're, te- we're trying to teach them how to feel what's going on there. We're giving them feedback yeah. of what overactive feels like. We're giving them feedback of what it means to breathe into your pelvic floor, which for literal people like me, is weird because you can't get any breath into your pelvic floor so like when people say breathe into your pelvic floor it's your lungs like are how <laughs> your lungs are not there but <laughs> anyway uh the problem with being a literalist um <laughs> you know a lot of this stuff is um 
a lot of this stuff is is doable um and being able to show people that they don't have to have symptoms while they're doing things um being being able to give them advice on managing their symptoms having that lie down when you get home put your feet up put pillow under your hips have that lie down let it just relax for a minute you know having that bath that spa bath that shower that sauna that walk that time for yourself where you can just recharge so important um you know promoting all the rest and digest stuff all that stuff Oh, you're smiling. Oh, I love it. I'm smiling. I'm clapping. I love it. You know, all of that. And I think we might be having a, a chat with a certain physio in the next few days about oh, yes. parasympathetic nervous system. Oh, it should be stuff, good fun. It Yay. should be good fun. And, we, um, and we've been ordered that we have to be humorous on it. So we get to be a little bit ourselves. <laughs> oh my god i just talk about oh, my life and people my... laugh so <laughs> professional take off our professional hats we we totally need to do that montage of our trying to do our intro that oh, time Anthony yes. and I about 20 minutes trying to record the <laughs> intro and we kept laughing point of crying every time i looked at him I you had to leave the room you had to leave the room and we had I, to reset I, yeah that was Oh my gosh, my cheeks hurt so much. <laughs> hey, look, I think we're going to have to wrap it up today because I my dinner's um, just about ready. But Sounds I just good. wanted to say, hey, thanks for the chat. It's so nice talking to you. Yeah, I love talking um, to you too. And I'm really looking forward to the the lineup of people that we've got over the next, even the next few days. And, and we're probably not going to record every day, but we'll try and get a few a week at the moment and just, you know, get stuff out. And hopefully this is really useful for everyone that's listening absolutely so please drop us a message on the on the page send us a personal message reach out to us and maybe we should plan for a live one marika we, we should try and uh plan a time and a date to go live i i can go mm -hmm. facebook live on this thing too i i finally had the time to figure out how to do it so it'll be cool to see if we can go facebook live on uh, on this platform and um, and have people join in and ask questions and I do have the two screens so I can I can manage all of that as well and um, that'll be cool it'll be really let's cool. do it Pick a day. definitely all right we'll sign this one off thank you everyone for listening and um, yeah get in touch with us and and leave reviews on iTunes and all that kind of stuff if it's helpful um, that would be great tell all your friends all right we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode. Be sure to hit like if you enjoyed the episode and leave any comments or questions below. We'd really like to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified when we release our next episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.